Welcome to the gaming's greatest generation podcast where we discuss news, reviews, and all things video games with your hosts the OG Leo Holly, the overachiever Mark Lombardi, and Mr. Contradiction himself Matt Harms. Stay tuned for ways to connect with the G3 community, contribute to the show, or tell us about your greatest gaming experiences. Now, let's get to the show. Greetings gamers and welcome back. It's a brand new month. It's a brand new show. We got games to play. We got friends who glow. It doesn't matter on what system you play as long as your video games will brighten your day. Be it shooter, racer, sim, action, adventure, or RPG, just like the Toy Story movie, you've got a friend in Wii 3? It's already May and this year is flying by. Before you know it, we'll kiss 2022 goodbye. But while we're here and in the now, let's appreciate what we've got. Even though it's been a quiet week, we're going to give it our best shot. Terrible friggin' rhyme for this month, guys. G3 is back. Uh, I am joined today by a segment of the crew. We got none other than Mr. Mow Them Down. What's going on, brother? Oh, hey, everybody. Uh, it's nice to be here. Uh, sad that we have the shortened crew here uh, today, but that'll be all right. Otherwise, hope everybody's good out there. And I don't know. I don't really have anything else going on, so. We'll move right along to the uh, current third member of the group here. <laughs> and that is none other than... <laughs> Mr. Caritas, a.k.a. Steve. What's going on, brother? Not much, man. It's been working and uh, trying to get a little bit of game in. You know how it is. I know all too well how that is. And also yours truly... <laughs> known as I on all things gaming and social media. So... Uh, we are here. This is for episode 38 of the G3 podcast coming to you, as Matt loves to say, live uh, on <laughs> May 6, 2022. And, uh, you know, it's been another kind of short week in news. We're going to we're going to try and give you the best that we can here. Um, looking back previously, starting right off the top with some news, looking back at something that we talked about before, uh, the strong National Museum of Play. So you guys may remember we talked about this and there was some discussion on the show on what was actually going to make it into their World Video Game Hall of Fame. And we were under the impression that it was going to be just one title. It was not, in fact, just one title, nor two, not even three. They actually went ahead and labeled four whole games into the World Video Game Hall of Fame for the Strong National Museum of Play. And those titles are Dance Dance Revolution, The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, Miss Pac-Man, and Sid Meier's Civilization. Now, I know you're sitting there going, Ice, that's really dumb. Some of those are way old games, but uh, it's not necessarily about the age or how new the games are, but rather that they as franchises have been recognized as being so renowned and so recognized as game titles that they went ahead and, and they're getting placed in that World Hall of Fame. Um, Matt, so you were on the previous shows where we kind of talked about this and followed this one a little bit. Ocarina of Time made it there. Not not really surprised. You know, we kind of had all the votes in favor of that, but are any of these other titles surprising? I know you're a big Sid Meier's fan. Honest, honestly, no. I don't think any of them are really all that surprising as, you know, I had stated when we discussed this previously, I kind of felt like each and every single one of those titles had their merits. Uh, you know, for me as someone who didn't really get into that, I, I look at Dance Dance Revolution and I'm like, well, that's 
not really my thing, but it still, you know, was kind of a revolutionary thing. And certainly that's been widely well received by the people that enjoy it. So yeah, no, I can't say that uh, I have any bad feelings about any of the inclusions. Uh, I thought every game that they really had on offer was going to be, you know, a pretty solid contender. Main takeaway for me is Legend of Zelda, you know, did end up securing a spot because how could it not? Uh, Cool. Steve, do any of these, uh, you know, knock your socks off? You you go dance, dance your pants off in Dance Dance Revolution? Like, are any of these, uh, you know, surefire winners in your book and they deserve to be in that uh, Hall of Fame? I mean, I think all of them are are definitely winners they all deserve to be there for what they've done for the gaming industry as a whole and they're especially in their different genres right like ocarina of time is a masterpiece of gaming kind of pushed their rpgs uh miss pac-man kind of revolutionized the very what we would consider classic you know pac-man style arcade game and improved upon that formula and holy crap sid meyer's civilization wow that game is still that genre is still going it's they're all good I, i'm a little surprised that it took uh legend of zelda this long though I, yeah, yeah i'm not sure we were discussing that and i have failed to look that up where we weren't really sure like how long this thing has been around or whatever obviously the fact that you know like Miss pac-man Ocarina of time civilization that these games were not already in there you know not really sure what to make of that, but uh, yeah, it's like, how do you have a Hall of Fame and not have all these, you know, monumental uh, pillars of, of gaming, you know, history, whatever in there? Yeah, it definitely begs the question. And uh, I could argue that something else that begs the question is how we are only now, now this is a little bit old news, but how are we only now in 2022 talking about PS5 finally adding VRR into their console, right? I mean, the the consoles came out November of 2020, and here we are, you know, coming on a year and a half later, and it's finally getting variable refresh rate added in. Uh, And of course, the greatest way that they could go ahead and announce this, a blog post, looking at you, PlayStation, uh, they went ahead and announced that VRR was going to be coming out on HDMI 2.1 compatible TVs. So disclaimer there, if you don't have a TV that's up to the snuff. Uh, but in the coming weeks, uh, and again, this blog post was from April 25th. So we're a little behind on this one. Apologies. Uh, you can expect Astro's Playroom, Call of Duty Vanguard, Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War, Deathloop, Destiny 2, Devil May Cry 5 Special Edition, Dirt 5, Godfall, Spider-Man, uh, Marvel Spider-Man Remastered, Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, Resident Evil Village, Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Siege, and Tribes of Midgard to be just the start of this list of games that is going to receive variable refresh rate support. Um, so for those that aren't really savvy on the VRR stuff, it basically allows the game to run in a more native sense uh, and hit refresh rates that are incumbent of what is being processed on screen rather than saying, uh, you know, a game must hit 120 frames or 60 frames or whatnot. So the one that really stands out here in my mind is like Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart uh, because Insomniac designed a very specific mode in there. Uh, I can't remember for the life of me what it's called right now. I want to say it's like dynamic resolution where you have a bit of the ray tracing but you also uh, would be at a 30 frames, but it allowed it to 
kind of work where the resolution could flex to encompass that ray tracing. It's not like true, true 4K, uh, but I think this technology is definitely going to go ahead and let that game shine in the best quality that it can. To last I checked, uh, VRR was already in Xbox Series consoles for a couple months now. Um, is this, you know, not, I know neither of you guys have a PS5, and by uh, what I'm going to wager, neither of you have a true interest in getting a PS5 at this time. Uh, but let's start here with uh, Steve. What, what are you thinking, man? Is this is Sony just late to the game? Like, did these consoles, I always love posing the question, did they really need to come out when they did, or could they have stayed in the oven? and cooked a little bit longer until they were ready and had this stuff inherent. What do you think? I I mean, they, they are a little late to the game. They should have stepped that process up a, a lot more, especially just kind of limiting which games are going to get it. But if Sony had potentially left the console, you know, to cook longer in the oven, they probably weren't going to get that much money there was there were going to be towards the middle of the chip shortage and have a lot more problems even sourcing when it came for them to do a, a re- actual release and they would have missed out on the christmas money that's the important thing cuz that is a bank maker for those types of you know games or toys that's that's the king maker right there for your for your revenue yeah no that's fair that's fair uh, Matt, what are, what are we thinking here? Same same as Steve. You got any extra thoughts to contribute on this uh, PlayStation Five getting VR? Uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't really have a chance to look it up. My only you know potential, uh, I guess, considerable factor that could go into that would be whether or not Sony had a bunch of you know televisions out that supported the two point one HDMI connection. If you know they're really trying to push the whole Sony TV for your Sony PlayStation thing. Maybe they were trying to wait to have that go hand in hand with that. Um, otherwise not really sure. I will clarify like the VRR thing, uh, essentially allows the game system, the computing system to communicate with the television or monitor in a way that will allow the television or monitor to match its, refresh rate to whatever the device is currently hitting like at real time or whatever the whole idea is to avoid screen tearing so if you know your screen is trying to refresh at 120 and the game kind of takes a dip to 80 or whatever you're you're going to notice an odd effect on screen so it's essentially just trying to eliminate that um yeah i think that's definitely a great feature to have glad that they you know i've got it implemented I won't say that I'll be running out to pick up a PS5 just because they've implemented that now, but uh, it's definitely a nice thing to have if you have the capability to, to you know, add that enhancement to your game. So it's a good thing. Cool. Yeah, I hear that. Good good clarification. Appreciate it. I'm always terrible trying to go ahead and explain tech. In my mind, it makes sense, uh, but then when I try and expand upon it, maybe not. Uh, but hopefully we can make some sense of this next piece of news out of uh, Kotaku Man, Activision Blizzard, we just can't stop hearing about this freaking company, right? Um, so now apparently New York City is suing Activision Blizzard. So let, let's let's wrap our heads around that real quick. New York City, that being the government uh, of New York City, is going ahead and suing Activision Blizzard because apparently 
according to Delaware law, I believe it's Delaware law that I saw in here, um, the process in how Microsoft and Activision Blizzard announced their intended purchase uh, or the acquisition of Activision Blizzard by Microsoft was way rushed. Basically, we should have uh, gone ahead and expected to see second and third parties reevaluate this process, see if it was going to be in the best interest of all parties. There's essentially kind of steps to how this is supposed to go. And um, why? Why is, is New York City actually getting involved? Well, sadly enough, I think it's sad. Uh, apparently, New York City's employees retirement system uh, in Delaware court went ahead and stipulated that basically they have the potential to be losing money. That's what this all comes back to is a lot of these pensions. And this isn't the only one. There's actually, I think, two that I've heard of now pensions that are tied in or had investment in Activision Blizzard. And so the notion of this acquisition moving fast, even though we've already heard a number of times that this probably isn't going to complete until somewhere well into 2023, potentially, uh, these uh, pension funds are upset, essentially, because they don't know if you know, it was the best deal for them that that stock being Activision Blizzard could have gone ahead and came up even higher before uh, a potential acquisition, thereby making more money to put into the pensions. Uh, I mean, I'm going to give you ISIS insight right off the bat. I think this is absolute garbage. I'm tired of everybody being lawsuit happy in this country. Uh, this is probably the best that Activision Blizzard was going to get with all the turmoil, trauma, and allegations uh, of abuse and misconduct and, and sexual misconduct that was going on in and around that company and involved with the employees. So, I mean, it just quite frankly pisses me off that we're just trying to slow down something. And then this isn't even, this is before we even get to the legislators who are already potentially going to try and make an example of this acquisition because the legislation in this country wants to go ahead and crack down on big scale acquisitions like this one that we're talking about. So uh, Matt, our in-house corporate lawyer, of sorts. <laughs> Why don't you tell us, like, what are we thinking about this? Is 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 this just frivolous? Am I right that this is frivolous, or do you think they have a point here in in this lawsuit? I I mean it's it's all frivolous, bud. Uh, it's all it's all money, right? But uh, but it, again, to offer some clarification, if I can. Uh, I believe that the reasoning that, yes, an entity in New York is able to file suit against the company is because, yes, that that pensioning fund is invested in said company. So they are stakeholders, um, shareholders. Uh, the suit itself is actually really more like challenging Bobby Kotick directly, um, essentially alleging that, you know, the deal was kind of rushed and pushed forward as a means of you know, him trying to alleviate himself of any responsibility of what's been happening as more and more comes out with all of this. Uh, so he's, you know, running away from his problems. He's able to to get away from the company or whatever, potentially, or just, you know, merge everything together. So now that it's a whole huge conglomerate uh, and, you know, by all reports, he's looking to walk away with a pretty hefty cash sum here. Uh, the reason I believe it would probably have been filed in Delaware is because I'm sure that's probably where they're headquartered somewhere and all that, you know, tax manipulation stuff that we discuss offline. Uh, 
so yeah, uh, I don't know. Stick it to him. Uh, as, as we've, as I've said, you know, F you Bobby. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. Get him. <laughs> yeah. Again, thank you for that one. I, I have a bad time trying to go ahead and, and encapsulate this. So yeah, I think there's the degree, uh, of what I said, like, Hey, we could have gone ahead and seen better, but obviously wanting to stick it to, to Kodak, but this is like, it's silly to me because the guy's going to have a golden parachute, no matter what, it would make more sense in my mind to set the ill will or, or the justice back notions aside here and just put him out in a civil suit later to go ahead and try to sue the companies here. It is a, a bit more about the uh, injustice or how the board exercised or did not exercise their obligations in the interest of the shareholders. To yeah. Kind of yeah. Ultimately. Yeah. They're yeah. able to sue because they're going to say that, Hey, you know, you essentially lost this value here, which I mean, all things considered, you know, the PR nightmare that this has been for them, their, you know, share value has definitely not been what it was and everything. They, their PR stock is hurting real bad. Um, so, yeah, I mean, do they have a valid point there? Sure. As far as, you know, whether or not this is a, you know, frivolous suit again, I, you know, it's all, everything's kind of insane anymore. But uh, and yeah, I, I would go ahead clarify and clarify at least like their main reasoning on this was, a, you know. Yeah, Bobby and pushes I, I, forward to I would agree the whole money piece, except for the fact that what we just reported what last week, right? That like the high 90s, it was something like 98 percent, 97, 98 uh, percent of shareholders it might even have been 99 percent of shareholders went ahead and agreed to this acquisition that it was financially favorable yeah. to them. So here you're talking about one percent of probably thousands, if not hundreds but, of thousands of shareholders are going ahead and making a stink. But they don't this. necessarily mean, you know, there or I should say that doesn't necessarily mean that they're all in favor of that as like their ideal outcome or what they wanted to happen. It was more, how do we, you know, get what we can't salvage this sinking ship, if you will. Right. Yeah. I don't know. That's a questionable one, Steve. I don't know if you've been following us or, or anybody else or what's going on with this nonsense with Activision Blizzard yeah. and the whole acquisition process and just dragging their name through the mud. Do you think that they had any chance in hell of coming back from all of these legal allegations and multiple lawsuits that they've been uh, party to? The, their reputation is tarnished for at least the next you know, decade. <clears throat> kind of like a sports team, right? They they play like crap for a decade, then they're a championship team, and it's like no one remembers that past decade, right? All they got to do is release a hit. They're fine. The lawsuit itself is probably frivolous. It was likely done in Delaware because Activision probably has a headquarters there or something like that, and jurisdictional reasons. You know, but do they have a leg to stand on? I don't think so. Will they waste a lot of money out of Activision Blizzard and Microsoft and every, everything else that is behind this? Yeah, of course, 100%. They're going to waste a crap ton of money, and they might get a settlement if they're lucky. I don't know. Let's find out. It's going to be fun for me to watch. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We'll, we'll look from the sidelines and... You know, kind of continuing your your sports analogy, though, I would say probably one of the big catalysts, though, that you find when that happens, when that team has a turnaround is what? Probably the coach 
or maybe even the ownership 100%. team, something changes Coach, hands, right? And they get, come in and clear house. So yeah. And here, so if I was Activision, this is just me once again, right? But if I was Activision Blizzard shareholder and I knew of all the garbage that had been going on there, and now we have a potential change of the guard coming up with Microsoft and Satya Nadella. And, you know, if you've been following their stock, they have been absolutely skyrocketing over the past five years or so. So clearly they know what the hell they're doing in business. So why you would want to fight this acquisition, aside from just, you know, Matt's hate of everything being owned by one company in, in the, you know, in, in the future of all things. I, I don't know. I don't know why they'd want to fight this, but we'll, uh, we'll go ahead and kind of keep our ear to the ground, I guess, on this story and uh, hear whatever rumblings come of it. But uh, some other rumblings that were going around the interwebs this week was news of a totally different acquisition. So something that wasn't really planned for uh, this news being announced, or at least we're sourcing it out of Embracer Group themselves. Embracer Group has gone ahead and purchased several Western studios that were or are in the process of acquiring several Western studios uh, that were previously or are still technically under the label of Square Enix. So uh, the studios in question we had, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Uh, we have Crystal Dynamics, IDOS Montreal, Square Enix Montreal. And yep, that should be it. But they have a huge catalog. You're talking uh, 50 plus games. It's a pretty interesting move. And people, you know, are kind of sitting there. I, I, I laugh to myself because... I saw it when I saw this news announced on social media and people were like, Embracer Group, who is this? And I'm like, yes, see, this is exactly the point. Y'all are looking over here thinking Microsoft's the big bad in the room and not saying that Embracer Group is, but Microsoft is just one player in this big pie of game developers around the world. And so the fact that folks are having a keen eye because as Matt and I have gone back and forth about before, Microsoft may have a reputation that they you know, deservedly earned uh, back in the late 80s, early 90s. That may not be the case anymore, but people are hard to, to go ahead and forget about that. And everybody just wants to see a bad guy. So uh, right now, the interesting thing uh, going through this even further, going through um, Embracer's uh, announcement, uh, where were you, where were you? This would bring them now up to 124 internal studios. So here we go. We're talking about Oh, ah, Microsoft, you know, they've got 32 studios now. Embracer has 124 when this deal is complete. Like, get the out, okay? That is ginormous. And these are all uh, essentially dispersed developers around the world. Uh, Gearbox was acquired by them not too long ago. So it presents a, a definite player on the field. Steve, uh, I know, you know, acquisitions may or may not be your thing and maybe the Tomb Raider franchise or any uh, of those games might be up your alley. But were you interested at all when this news popped off? Yeah, I remember them getting Gearbox not too long ago. And then I saw that they were getting Crystal Dynamics, who I know had a sequel to the third game of the last Team Raider series that happened. They had a sequel coming out or something like that. And that's kind of in jeopardy, which is kind of the annoying thing about these deals, right? Is once they happen, the companies that are being bought, a lot of their games go into jeopardy because you never know what's going to happen once the company does acquire it. And it definitely does show the fact that this is not a monopoly. 
here, right? It's not Microsoft, Sony, and well, Nintendo's not really buying a lot of stuff recently, you know, development wise. But those two companies, except land, yeah, land, which is weird. <laughs> um, but Sony and Microsoft are buying these companies. It's not a monopoly. Like one of them buying a different one is not going to affect anything because you have all these companies on the sidelines that own them. They're just not companies like Microsoft and Sony. They're companies that are, you know, kind of investing deals. Like they're pulling in money from everywhere, as many places as they can. So I don't know. I'm kind of worried about Tomb Raider. I don't know. I don't want it to die. It was so good. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I necessarily worry about that one because I think they're bringing that IP with them. Uh, one that may be in question is uh, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, right? Because uh, that was something that was kind of a joint push between Crystal Dynamics yeah. and Square Enix. Great game. And then Square Enix expressed that it wasn't too crazy because they couldn't monetize the shit out of it. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. I, I would think and hope that now under Embracer more or less like we've seen with a lot of these developers, they feel like they can, you know, stretch out their wings a little bit and actually start to take flight with some of these projects that they want to do. So who knows, maybe the next Tomb Raider game will be even bigger and better. Uh, What this probably would mean is in jeopardy to some effect though, uh, I would think is probably that partnership that Crystal Dynamics had with uh, Microsoft's The Initiative to go ahead and help build out that perfect dark game that Matt loves so dearly to go ahead and talk about because, you know, he, he loves to dredge up how all these developers are going through hell, uh, the initiative being one in the latest limelight. So, Matt, do you think that this is going to take a toll on uh, the further development of the perfect dark game that we've already said we're probably not going to see this summer? Yeah, uh, I don't know. That's an interesting question. I could really argue either way on that. I, I can't see why Embracer would not necessarily be inclined to continue, you know, to make whatever kind of money is being made on that deal. So I don't know. I I don't know that I necessarily see that being jeopardized. Um, but yeah, I still don't really know a whole lot about Embracer. Uh, and I know that they've been acquiring a bunch of, bunch of developers and stuff, but yeah, yeah, I haven't really seen much about them other than that. So I guess we'll have to see. Time will tell. Uh, just, you know, yeah. You know, Crystal Dynamics has some good IPs. So hopefully they'll, you know, use that to good effect and continue to support the development of those games. Yeah, now the the other thing that was interesting, like you said, was uh, more or less like the who is Embracer. And so uh, I thought about making that a segment here, but I figured we were going to have enough news and whatnot. So maybe maybe we'll we'll table that to the next show to really get into who the Embracer group really is so people get a better understanding and uh, they don't get blindsided thinking, oh, there's only Microsoft and, uh, and Sony that are going ahead and battling this out. But some other piece that I found interesting in this news is this deal of these three studios went ahead and ran Embracer Group around 300 million, which Square Enix was happy to go ahead and divest. And at least something that was brought up uh, vis-a-vis, you know, an insider that we've sourced before, Jeff Grubb, uh, was that Square Enix was actually the name that PlayStation was looking to acquire when we talked about that previously. And we said, oh no, it's something bigger than Kojima. Uh, this was possibly, may still be possibly a move for Square Enix to cut some 
because uh, some of his more Western ties with Western studios and go ahead and pick up uh, an, a better opportunity or put them in a better bargaining position to be acquired by PlayStation. I mean, Steve, is that something that, that is going to, you know, wet your whistle? Are you going to go out and want to get a PlayStation after that news comes down? No, I do need to get a PlayStation, though, because got to play God of War from 2018, and I really got to play the new one when it comes out. That's what's going to wet my whistle. But this stuff, I'm just kind of like, ah. In Perfect Dark, I haven't played that game in like 15 years. I don't care about that anymore. Yeah, well, don't forget, you can play God of War 2018 on PC now. Full 4K. Looks gorgeous. Uh, Matt, does this does this surprise you at all? We had talked before. I know I brought up Capcom, and we talked maybe, I think, Take-Two was one of the other ones, but like... Square Enix kind of makes sense as going over to the PlayStation house. What do you think? Maybe. Uh, I mean, yeah, that might be an attractive thing for Sony. I, you know, I don't know. We'll see. See what happens. Um, doesn't sound like, you know, Square is necessarily like doing anything than cutting what it sees as a loss here with uh, Crystal Dynamics. So I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. All right, cool. And with those zero Fs given, we'll go ahead and we'll talk about something that maybe some other folks uh, give nothing about. And so apparently, or, or maybe they have some mixed feelings on it, particularly Nintendo's latest offerings, right? Um, so for those that have been uh, keeping up with, you know, that, that other one that's coming along out of Japan, Nintendo went ahead and has so far this year gone ahead and released two, at least that I can count, uh, two first party titles. Uh, that being Kirby and the Forgotten Lands, as well as Nintendo Switch Sports, which uh, just came out last week. So unfortunately, Mark's not here to go ahead and give us his uh, his thoughts, feelings, emotions uh, regarding that title. But as we look at Metacritic, apparently Kirby did pretty good. So it's looking at a Metascore of 85, which is kind of where we say it starts putting stuff in the Game of the Year contention. Uh, and a user score of 9.0, so pretty good for Kirby. And then looking at Nintendo Switch Sports, maybe a little less uh, a pleasant reception coming in with a 73 Metascore and a user score of 6.3. So uh, I don't know. That seems like quite the mixed bag. It definitely seems like a yay for Kirby, uh, although I'm, I'm tentatively excited because, once again, here we go with the potential that Nintendo is seeing the opportunity of taking many more of their titles and making them this open world concept and as it seems to have a pretty good reception with zelda breath of the wild uh you got super mario odyssey and now with kirby and the forgotten land so steve you have a switch i believe right do you have any of these titles like is is any of this what, what are we thinking about nintendo's house right now i don't i don't have those two titles um i mean i have breath of the wild mario kart deluxe eight um, which their latest DLC is kind of like, eh, sucks. It's all about the single player racing aspect, right? So you get new maps for that, but battle mode, any party games you want to do, no new maps for that. It's still the same eight. Um, but yeah, I mean, they do have a mixed bag. They, they definitely have a mixed bag. Their stuff's not being super well received. I mean, 85 is game of the year, you know, level. But anything below that, it's kind of like you didn't have that good of a game anymore. You know, if you're not releasing these 90, 85 
plus games, you didn't have a good game. Yeah, that that is an argument, uh, Matt. So let's let's see if you got an argument for this one. You know, you were busy going ahead and picking things up and putting things down all day. Like you feel like you're up to going ahead and getting yourself a Switch and Nintendo Switch Sports and strapping that Joy-Con to your leg and burning off some of those calories. Or you know, what what are we thinking about Nintendo? Are we are we quite there yet? Or we still think that Nintendo has a chance this year to go ahead and potentially. Well, no, I was going to say come out with that Breath of the Wild too, but they've already said that that's coming out next year. What else does Nintendo have that they can kind of excite the, the gamer about this year, Matt? Uh, I mean, I don't know. For me, probably not much personally, but, you know, the, people are attracted to their classic Nintendo staples, so I'm sure they've probably got something up their sleeve. Uh, the Kirby release seems to be doing well, so, you know. Hopefully anybody that's into that is enjoying that and having a good time. Otherwise, uh, I don't know, man. I mean, the Wii Sports thing, or the Wii Sports, ah, whatever. Uh, the sports title, from what I've seen, people are kind of complaining because they're not really uh, offering a whole lot of, like, I guess, uh, single-player experiences or whatever. Apparently, you really need the online, I guess, to try and enjoy it. Um yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what they do. I mean, you had us listen to that interview. I guess we're not going to talk about that this week, but uh, that kind of scared me for real. So, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Well, no, we, we, we'll we talk about that one. We'll put that over in, in section two because I know you're dying to go ahead and give your thoughts on, once again, dystopian future that gaming is about to become. <laughs> uh, but before we Just move NFTs, on, everybody. It's all yeah. monetize everything. So, before we move on to that, talking about monetization <laughs> and... I think that was it. Know, I think we covered it in individuality and stuff like that halo infinite season two is out now lone wolves um so yeah i mean not a whole lot to say on there we got a couple new maps got uh, a whole new season pass uh, that you're able to go ahead and get some customizable stuff i will say i did manage to take a look at it before the show and i was actually somewhat impressed if i can use that word um because they went ahead and they took a page out of um essentially Call of Duty Warzone and Apex Legends book. And as you progress through the levels, I believe once you hit level 95, I saw, you would essentially earn back as many credits as you paid in to buy uh, the premium edition of that season pass. So uh, I think that's a good thing. At least you're you're getting your money back, albeit maybe not in the form of in your wallet, uh, but an opportunity to just kind of snowball that effect if you wanted to and get into the next season after that. So obviously this is all about going ahead and keeping your eyes uh, on that title and playing that game. Steve, you're you're the big Destiny 2 guy of the crew. Like, is Halo Infinite Season 2 going to go ahead and pull your eyes off of Destiny 2 at all? No. I mean, it... <laughs> No, it's it's offering the opportunity to basically pay for the credits by buying the season pass, but you have to dedicate so much time to it, which it's just a scheme to get you buy, to buy more, right? Because you want that XP boost that you're not getting. That's not dropping for you. You want this, you want that. So it's literally just an excuse to keep you hooked to it. But guys like me, we don't have that time. And that's the thing. We're the ones spending the, a lot of the money on it. Cause we have that cash to spend that money, but I ain't spending the money on games. If it's that type of crap or it's parents that are a little bit older than I am that are spending the money for their kids and sooner or later they get fed up. I don't know. I, 
I'm not getting pulled away from Destiny for that crap, man. It's just a money scheme, and it didn't improve anything in my book. Okay. Uh, fair take. I, I believe it's pronounced whale. 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 So, <laughs> Matt, are you uh, are you going to be a whale here with uh, Wall and Wolves uh, Season 2 and Halo that's, Infinite? Uh, <clears throat> that's going to be a big N-O for me, buddy. Uh, you know, I'm not really interested in all that. Uh, yeah, honestly, I was always surprised that they had not gone ahead and started out with the whole earn your, you know, season investment back or whatever, if you play enough and reach the end. Um, admittedly, I think some of that was kind of counterbalanced by the whole, you know, oh, you get it forever and you can play through forever, which, you know, if I actually looked into that and saw that that was legit, then I think that that's a fair trade, really. But at the same time, it's still a smart move to try and incentivize players to play as often as possible to really try and, you know, grind and get to the end of that battle pass. Um, if nothing else, like Steve said, you know, it's, it's more engagement, it's more time for you to potentially, you know, be putting money into other stuff. So yeah, I mean, it seems like a, a smart move. Don't know if it's really going to help them, but uh, yeah, I can't see any reason not to do this. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I'll be the the glass half full kind of guy on this one because like I, I agree uh, a lot of it is monetization efforts. I agree that a lot of it is uh, intended to go ahead and keep you playing. But I mean, we, we've discussed it on the show before, at least in my opinion, playing Halo Infinite fun. I enjoy it. I like it uh, right now since they've taken that fan feedback and changed the XP system slightly it takes roughly about an hour of play for you to go ahead and earn a thousand uh, or yeah, whatever, a thousand XP basically to level up one time. So uh, when we're talking about it, yeah, that would be essentially a hundred days. You'd need to play a hundred days of at least an hour, uh, 120 hours. If you want to look at it that way to go ahead and max out that battle pass. I, and, and I'm sure we, at least Matt and I, Steve, I think you've been uh, with us on some of this, can sit down and probably on a good night play Halo Infinite for maybe two, three hours sometimes. So, like, do I think that it's the end of the world kind of deal? Like, no, because at least it's behind what is otherwise a fun game. Like, I would rather, I think I can, I can safely say if we were offered the opportunity of either playing Halo Infinite or Call of Duty Warzone, I mean, that that would be a tough one for me, especially with what they've been doing with Warzone lately and what we've seen with some of the, uh, you know, some of the, the PC uh, hacks and cheats that were going on over there. Steve, did you have something else you want to throw in on that one? I would choose Infinite. I'm just like, I know you choose, I know you choose Warzone, man. You probably still choose Warzone. Uh, I mean, I like me some Infinite. Matt, Matt has heard me use some very... Uh, unique expletives when I when we're playing uh, Halo Infinite, and uh, I I've seemed to get killed nonstop. But uh, you know what? It's not about me, guys. You know what it is about? It is about the games because here uh, Summer Game Fest was also just announced uh, not too long ago. So uh, Jeff Keeley went ahead and said that we can expect for Summer Games Fest to be coming up on June 9th. So Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. You want to talk about a jam-packed weekend. June 9th uh, at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific time, we can expect Summer Games Fest. Uh, so if you're familiar, that is where 
Uh, Jeff Keighley is kind of one of the main hosts. It's it's almost like your polar opposite, if you will, to uh, the game awards. So they talk about uh, giving a spotlight to all these different game developers, and they have a number of different partners associated with it. Just some of the ones that I can see right here. We got 2K, Activision, Annapurna Interactive, Epic Games, EA, Digital Devolver, Riot Games, Raw Fury, Bandai Namco, Sega. It, it's got a lot, a lot of different folks in there. PlayStation is apparently going to have something to show there as well as Xbox. Um, so it should be a good weekend. We're continuing that weekend on June 10th with the Tribeca Games Spotlight. So that's going to be a little bit more uh, focused, especially on the artistic passion surrounding uh, some of these games, probably more of the indie variety. Uh, and then we're rolling it out on June 12th, uh, that being Sunday, June 12th, with the Xbox and Bethesda Game Showcase. And we've already kind of alluded to what we think we may see there. Um, we had a segment we were going to do kind of talking about all these games in the summer and, and kind of battling it out. Uh, unfortunately, we want to get more of a roundtable going on for that. So we had to kind of table that for another episode. But uh, Matt, did you get to check out Summer Game Fest last year? Or are you excited for you know, what Jeff Keighley and the team are putting together for this summer? Uh, you know, I caught some of the highlights. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I, yeah, I mean, info on what's coming down the pipeline is always good. So I'll be sure to be checking it out. Uh, you know, Keeley, my, my nemesis. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm curious to see all what comes out. Uh, I would like to see some info on some, you know, choice titles, but we'll see if we get anything. Uh, yeah, but more, more is always good. <laughs> yeah, I definitely want to see some more on Replace. That game showed up at uh, the Xbox and Bethesda Showcase last year. Um, kind of that 2D, 3D-esque, like, uh, noir grunge, I dare say, like, 80s kind of style. It was, it was just, I don't know, it was a very brief trailer, uh, but it was banging from when we got to see it. Uh, in my opinion. So I, I'd like to see some more of that. Steve, is there any particular titles you're looking forward to for Summer Game Fest or any uh, any of the show? I mean, we kind of already talked about the Xbox one previously, but yeah, Summer Game Fest and Tribeca. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing I'm super excited about. I, I do want to know more about that Replace game, just in general, having heard you talk about it and gone back and looked at what they did last year. But there's not much i'm like super excited about right now that i'm hearing about i mean i i want to know when diablo 4 comes out i want to know when like breath of the wild comes out but i don't know if they're gonna be there so um yeah there's not much there man maybe whatever riot riot games is coming out with you know that that'll be interesting to see yeah i mean we can we can keep fingers crossed for uh maybe some some video or something for breath of the wild too but I mean, we already said Nintendo said it's going to be pushed back off till next year. Um, I, I definitely would like to see, yeah, a lot more, a lot more stuff, right? I think we all would, especially in a year that has so far, you know, we saw a nice rush of things in the fall of uh, 2021. And then the beginning of 2022 has been a little, I, I don't even want to say a little dry. It really depends though, right? Because Horizon Forbidden West came out. That was pretty good. Um, I, I think there's some... Some game about a ring that I keep hearing about. Uh, Olden ring? I don't know. Matt wants to put a ring on it or something. I, yeah, something. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, you know, we went ahead and 
we had wedding ring come out this year as well i believe seafood came out this year so i mean you got you got some stuff that came out there it just depends what you know what what you're interested in but um speaking of interests um yeah so apparently this was something of interest more so to me uh and that wraps up our new segment but something uh, a little more of interest to me but uh, potentially maybe to the group. I know Matt is just chomping at the bit to go ahead and dissect and destroy uh, the logic path that came out of this. But uh, so there was a games beat summit uh, a couple, maybe like a week ish ago, a week and a half ago um, that was hosted in LA. And there was a couple uh, noteworthy figures in the game space that were there uh, and able to talk and share thoughts and ideas uh, and one thing that I listen to by way of Gamertag Radio, I've listened to them for a couple of years now. So, you know, kudos to those guys. I'm not afraid to, to give flowers where they're due. Uh, but the host, Danny Pena, got to go ahead and have a fireside chat with none other than the former president uh, of Nintendo America, Reggie fils And so uh, for those that may not be familiar with Reggie, because... I don't know, you weren't tracking Nintendo's success over the past couple of years. Uh, Reggie went ahead and really set up the success of the 3DS and the early onset for the Nintendo Switch's success. But uh, he was educated in Cornell and he's now on several business boards. He's a pretty smart business guy. And in this fireside chat, they went ahead and they had discussions about what we see happening with all the mergers and acquisitions going on, um, what we see about IP usage and, and how that's really a lot of what's going on right now is consolidating of IP rather than necessarily of developers. Um, I thought it was a pretty insightful thing coming from somebody who you don't get to usually hear from talk so candidly about um, you know the, the business side of things in that perspective. Uh, I definitely liked how he basically said he was not on board with the NFT craze, particularly because, at least in his opinion, it seemed like it's the new bang buzzword that a lot of brokerages were using because, uh, you know, it was something like, oh, this is great. People are spending money on it, et cetera. We got to invest in it. And he said, I, I don't see it. I don't see it. I think it's just because it's the new flashy doesn't mean we actually understand enough about it to positively imported into games without breaking the games themselves or building games around it. So uh, that was something I was pretty interested in among other things he said. Uh, but I know Matt was very interested in this fireside chat. Uh, Matt, what, what, what did Reggie say that, that set a twinkle in your eye? Good, bad, or different? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I took a different takeaway from uh, the conversation there, but it seemed like he was like fully on board with all this, uh, wild newfangled uh, ways of trying to bilk money out of people that they're coming up with. I mean, he, he definitely talked about how, you know, uh, metaverse kind of thing would be cool. You know, like his thought was, uh, oh man, I can't think of the, the name of the game now, but uh, the animal island, whatever the hell the, the game is. Are you talking uh, about animal crossing? Like, animal crossing. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. But he's talking about, you know, yeah, if I could have my own island, you know, that I put some work into and then like I could sell as like a, you know, tourist spot for people to log into and visit or whatever. And I could, you know, I could, you know, we could monetize that. Everybody could make some money off of that. That's that's great. You know, I'm like, oh, my God. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, I I thought it was an interesting discussion, but uh, 
scary to me if he, you know, fully kind of reflects uh, the the corporate mindset of the the gaming industry, which I assume that he assuredly does. But uh, yeah, so I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what? You're 100 percent right, Matt. If you go ahead and put time into something, you shouldn't be able to enjoy the fruits of your labor at all. Steve, what? Uh... Well, I mean, I, <laughs> no, no, now no, hold on. To, to be fair, to be fair, like if you just want to put it out there like that, I mean, I get where you're going, but the the problem for me is that it's like, okay, yeah, so we want to get people to spend a lot of time to create really cool things in the game for us. We'll just set up this sandbox and then, you know, Hey, you spend a bunch of time making this like a worthwhile experience or whatever. And then we will charge people. Cause he did specifically say like through the blockchain, all that, so it's definitely like NFTs or whatever else, you know? Um, so, but then, you know, we could charge people to access your little realm that you've built that you spent 600 hours building or whatever and so we'll charge them you know well it's not gonna be like a lot of money right because people probably aren't gonna spend like a bunch and in individual tickets to access this so we'll say a dollar hey a dollar or whatever to come in here and check this out and you know we'll give you six cents and we'll keep the 94 cents <laughs> you know hey whatever yeah you clearly listened to an entirely different interview than i did yeah there was a degree of uh potentially <laughs> I'm, I'm making inferences yeah, you're, I would say you're making allegations rather than inferences, but um, entirely different interview than I heard. I heard I heard that there was a bit of pushback from somebody who, again, had, had uh, was in a seat of visionary opportunity and went ahead and he didn't necessarily poo-poo like what happened with Ubisoft. Um, Again, I'm referencing how Ubisoft went ahead and seemed to do a huge push in NFTs. And out of nowhere, they went ahead and they just completely dissolved uh, the notion of supporting NFTs in um, uh, Ghost Recon Breakpoint being their, their little playground for that. Hmm, interesting. Um, Steve, is this, you know, we're talking NFTs, we're talking the blockchain, we're talking opportunities to monetize or expand franchises in different ways like you know that was something else that uh that uh reggie said he's not seeing a lot of great usage of ips in the sense of he used a lot of nintendo properties hey you wake up you put on your legend of zelda slippers you go ahead and have your kirby cereal while you're watching you know your pac-man show or mario show on the tv kind of deal Uh, basically talking about truly capturing the essence of these IPs and providing it on all kinds of different mediums with which you interact, letting you enjoy your passion. Yes, Matt, there's obviously some money associated with that. Um, But Steve, is that something that you find all that, you know, disenfranchising or would you like the notion of putting on your Legend of Zelda slippers? I mean, they already have those. First of all, the Legend of Zelda slippers, they exist, bro. You can probably encourage me. I don't. I'm not interested in that for most games. There's a couple where I'm like, I'll buy the shirts. He uses the Master Sword rubbers, though. (laughs) But yeah, NFTs are just another way to generate excess revenue for various companies and a way for people to make a quick buck. At the end of the day, it's probably not going to last forever, no matter what they say. And people are like, oh, we're doing blockchain. Half the time, no one knows what that means. And I'm not explaining it because it's actually very complicated. (laughs) But it's just all talk. And 
I mean, the conversation itself was useful. It kind of gave you insight into what companies are looking at, what they're doing, and the ways they're trying to get your money so you can avoid them. And NFTs are the next thing. So be a smart consumer. Yeah, that, you know, that's a fair point. I would hope that everybody's a smart consumer at all times and they're not going out and, you know, frivolously buying, I don't know, fast food and uh, the latest and greatest friggin' iPhone, whatever, or, oh, sorry, I'm going ahead and talking about real life here. Um, so, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to go ahead and wrap up Disparity Talk 2022. Uh, and we're going to go ahead and hop right into, last but not least, Release Radar. So uh, what we've got coming up, let's take a look, let's take a look, let's take a look. Since we just uh, are popping off into May here, so we kind of already talked about some of these titles. So coming up uh, in the next week or so, you can expect to see a Uden Chronicle Rising on the Xbox Series, Xbox One consoles as well as pc on may 10th salt and sacrifice on playstation 4 playstation 5 and pc on may 10th this war of mine final cut on playstation 5 xbox series consoles on may 10th unpacking on playstation 5 and 4 on may 10th and just pushing a little bit further out the evil dead evil dead the game uh on playstation 5 for xbox series consoles xbox one switch and pc on may 13th so matt any of those titles uh i think i feel like you, i've heard you talk about salt and salt and uh sacrifice before but any of those in particular uh getting you excited can't say i know anything about the salt and sacrifice uh yeah Uden chronicles i may check out since it's hitting game pass um I will say uh, this war of mine, I'm probably not going to buy that uh, yet again, but if anybody has yet to play that, uh, highly recommended, highly recommended. Uh, it's a very unforgiving kind of harsh experience, but it, uh, it's a, it's a good game. <laughs> that's quite the, uh, that's the one I'm thinking of. That's quite the tearjerker if I remember right. Right. Um, Steve, what's uh, certainly can be. Oh, yeah. Man. Yeah. Okay. Steve, what uh, any of those titles uh, set in your fancy there? Or are you going to go back and beat your head against the wall playing uh, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe? Uh, I probably will play Mario Kart sooner or later in the next couple of days. Um, this War of Mine, I, I think I've played it briefly once and wanted to finish it, so I might, might pick that up. Um, the Evil Dead, the game... Yeah, I'll I'll probably take a look at that. Here's only reason why is because I love that film series. It's just so ridiculous. Bruce Campbell's a man, hundred percent. I see. There we go. Here we go. We're talking about expanding IP and putting it in places that we love, be it in film or video games. And you know, it is. It's nothing but love, guys. You just gotta. Just got to separate your worth from your wallet. That's all. Uh, but with that, it goes ahead and wraps up, uh, comes, you know, more or less to a close on this episode. So, gentlemen, what you've been playing, what you've been doing, what you've been working on, where can people find you or not find you? Let's start with Steve. Yeah, we're working on a little bit of Destiny 2, trying to get my light level up so I can do the raid in Nightfall just go. for no reason besides torturing myself. 
Um, been playing a little bit of Mario Kart again recently. You know, just got the new map packs that are basically a waste of my money. But other than that, not much. You can find me on Xbox. Caradus is my gamer tag. C-A-R-A-D-U-S. And nowhere else because I don't have social media. Like, I'm a loser. Eh, loser, meh, healthy habit, sure. Matt, uh, <laughs> plenty of unhealthy habits, but, you know, tell, uh, tell us uh, what you've been doing, what you've been playing, where can people find you enjoying some of maybe your healthier gaming habits? Hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I've basically just been, you know, absorbed in El- Elden Ring, the old uh, golden, El- olden something, whatever joke we were, we were saying earlier. Some, some but, kind uh, of old ring, I don't know. Yeah, the old man's ring. Uh yeah, been playing a lot of that. Would like to get back into all of that, uh, but Xbox Live is down right now, as it has been like all day. So, don't know what we're gonna do later, boys. But uh, yeah, uh, you can find me on Xbox. You can hit me up, you know, through the show. Uh, you know, details in the in the notes below. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, uh, hopefully, we'll be all be able to play something here soon. And I don't know. That's it for me. I don't really have much going on right, right at the moment. <laughs> all right. Yeah, definitely the uh, Xbox Live thing being done, especially because that's where we kind of all have at least that one connection. Uh, it's, it's unfortunate. Sometimes, you know, happens. Maybe it's just a server stuff. I don't know if we've gotten the word officially on what's going on with that. But uh, you're surely known as Ice on all things gaming and social media, uh, which means you can find me on all those things at known as ice um so that being said this week wraps up uh what was yet another busy week for me i didn't really get to play much uh i like i said i booted up uh halo infinite to check out the season two deets um but outside of that i haven't really got to play hardly anything this week and that is embarrassing for me uh hopefully though uh because i've been doing other you know professional and household stuff so hopefully this weekend i'll go ahead and when i'm not trying to play catch up on our episode editing uh i will go ahead and be out there uh playing either and and i just have to i totally got sidetracked because these guys are joking talking about only fans known as ice um so (laughs) when i'm uh, not going ahead and doing uh stuff for the show uh hopefully we'll get to play some see if these of these jokers uh and otherwise i don't know rocket league uh i hope to catch up on some more kirby and the forgotten lands i really like what i'm what i'm experiencing so far in that game uh and then finally 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 uh finishing spider-man uh marvel spider-man remaster on ps5 so uh that's it we're gonna wrap it up there, there's uh, apparently i need to go make a profile on all i'm just kidding i'm not gonna do that um Ladies and gentlemen, that wraps up episode 38 of the G3 podcast. So just remember, gaming's greatest generation is the one you guys are a part of. Thanks for listening to the Gaming's Greatest Generation podcast. We hope you enjoyed your time with us today. If you have any feedback for the show or would like to contribute ideas, feel free to call 702 690 9292 or email us at gamingsgreatestgeneration at gmail.com. You can also join the Discord community by following the link in the show notes. See you next time.